Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Holding Fast to Faith. I'm your host, Brett Hill, and today we're going to be speaking about the church's misconception of Christianity. We need to understand what uh, reaching out to the community, reaching out to uh, the world around us, and what the real job of the Christian church really is and the Christian individual. You know, and and we're going to start uh, by understanding that there's so many groups of people that have their agendas out there in the world that go door to door, that march and they protest and they do many things to get their agenda in front of people to protest and, and make their cause known. And yet the Christian church sits back and they sleep and they watch. And the, and the most common cliche line that we hear is, oh, I'll pray about that. But uh, how many people do you know really praise when they say that they're going to pray? How many people really get together with numerous amount of other people that have faith to pray about something with enough people to pray to make a movement happen? And uh, the book of James says, faith without works is dead. Sometimes you've got to put your your faith into action. And uh, so in the message today, we're going to talk about putting our faith into action and showing what the church's misconception of Christianity is and taking us to where the church, the Christian individual needs to go. And with that, we're going to start out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. And looking out of the King James Version of the Bible, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were beseeching you by us. We pray you on Christ's stead. Be you reconciled to God. Now, we can bring that down into some plain English because what this is really saying to saying here, and uh, before I before I bring out the good old country boy version of this, the word ambassador. Let's just look at the word ambassador and the definition of it. The word ambassador in the dictionary says it's an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative. To a foreign country. So it, it's also a person who acts as a representative or a promoter of a specified activity. So an accredited diplomat sent from one country as an official representative to a foreign country. Now it's not been too long ago I did a podcast on us living foreigners in this land and we are not we don't hold a citizenship here because our citizenship is in the kingdom of God and we are just visitors. We're passing through this land. So as we look at this definition, we are an accredited diplomat sent by another kingdom to this kingdom as God's official representative. Now with that, I want to take you back and let's look at uh, now then we are ambassadors for Christ in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, as though God were beseeching you by us, we pray you on Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. Let's put that in some good old country boys terms. You, the Christian, the person that is saved, has seen it enough in your spirit, understood the Spirit's call on you to call out on the name of the Lord and give your heart to Jesus Christ in reconciliation for your sins. You, that Christian, God is making his appeal to mankind 
through you, through the life you live, through the actions that you take on this earth, and through those that you talk and beseech yourself. And he's telling you, plead with other people on the behalf of me, on behalf of my son, Jesus Christ, to get these people reconciled to me. That's what he's saying. The Amplified Bible makes it kind of similar. It says, so we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. We, as Christ's representatives, plead with you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So it can't be any more plain than what this verse is telling us, that a Christian's job is to be an ambassador, an official representative of God himself, beseeching to other people, reaching out to other people, reaching out to those that are not Christians and telling them that in the name of Jesus Christ, I I call on you, I beseech you, I urge you with all urgency in my heart to turn your life over to Jesus Christ because he is your only pathway to get into heaven and to have forgiveness for your sins. That's where this scripture is taking us. Now, I want to help you understand something with this because we have a great commission in Matthew 28 and 19. And I'm going to go to that verse right quick. Matthew 28 and 19 and verse 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That word go is imperative. It's you understood. The reader is the understood imperative there that is being spoken to. So if you are reading this verse, if you're listening to the verse, God is speaking to you personally. Jesus Christ is speaking to this. This is him written written in red in the new uh the King James Version in the New Testament, he's saying, you, whoever's hearing my voice, whoever's hearing my words, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age Amen. In other words, let it be so. So he is commanding us right there to be that ambassador that 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 is telling us to be. Now, with that in mind, we have to realize that once someone has spoken to us, once someone has come to us and invited us to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and the Holy Spirit dealt with us, and we received Christ in our heart, we have now become a representative, the very same type of person that asked us to receive Christ, we have now become someone just like that. So there was an ambassador of Christ met with you. That may be an evangelist. It may be a missionary. It may be the pastor of a church, or it may be someone that's just in the church that's out doing missionary work or whatever it may be. Someone came to you and spoke to you about Jesus Christ, and you received Jesus Christ in your heart, and now that assignment has been passed on to you, if it hasn't, you are not fulfilling your duty as a Christian, and not being a complete Christian, if you don't feel the urgency to share the word of God that has ultimately made you change your citizenship into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ from the kingdom of hell. Uh, we, we've got to understand that when we love God, when we love what has happened to us, when we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we don't love him enough that 
We want to go tell people about what has happened to us. We have excitement inside of our hearts about what has happened to us, what has changed us instead of getting stagnated and just sitting down and going, oh, well, I've punched my ticket to heaven, so I'm good to go. I'm going to sit down and just wait on the bus to come by. No, we if we don't have that excitement that that has happened to us so much that it's overrunning in us, we need to check and make sure that we've really done something worth celebrating because I want to take you into another scripture here. Uh, I heard a preacher here just recently tell me that the great commission is only as powerful in your life as it is as the great commandment is as powerful in your life. So I want to take you to Matthew chapter 22 verse 37 through 40. I want to read that to you because this is the great commandment. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and one of them asked him what the greatest commandment would be. In verse 37, Jesus responds and says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So Jesus didn't stop when he said that because he made a, made a point to go on in verse 39. He said, And the second is likened to it that you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and all the prophets. Do you understand that? Jesus gave us two commandments that he says everything else in the prophets and the laws given to us by God, sent to us by God, is wrapped up in these two commandments. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. If you love him with everything within inside of you, you cannot help but to let it get out of you and share with someone else. And that's what he's saying. The second commandment is just as important. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. Do you want yourself to go to hell? Do you want yourself to burn in an eternal hell and never get to see your loved ones again? Never get any relief from pain. Never release yourself from the agony and the darkness and the gnashing that the Bible talks about goes on in hell. Of course you don't. You want to save yourself from that, and you turn to Jesus Christ because of that. And you did not want that to happen to you, and Jesus Christ gave you your way out when he went to that cross 2,000 years ago and died on that cross and shed his blood on your behalf. And Matthew 22, verse 39 says, Love the people around you just like you love yourself. If you don't care enough about yourself but to just send yourself to hell, then you don't care that the other people around you go to hell. But if you care about yourself enough to keep yourself from hell, you'll care enough about the people around you to keep them from going to hell. That's what Jesus is saying. Spread my gospel. Tell these other people so that they too can avoid the eternal death that's coming their way if they don't receive me as Lord and Savior of their life. Now, with that being said, I want to take you to a parable to understand what Christians need to see in their life because when we finally get a hold on Christianity, when we finally get the real vision that God wants us to have as being a Christian and not just being saved. There is a difference. Being a Christian is to be Christ-like. To be a Christian is to be likened to that person that you are naming. So to be a Christian is to find out who Christ was and act like him. 
Find out what Christ did and do the same things. Mimic his actions. Find out who Christ was and walk in his authority. Find out who Christ was and do the things that he did in order to make people's lives be different and change the world around them because of the authority that was spoken through his voice through his voice and through his word. And that's what being a Christian is like. And that is not a definition that can be modified. It's not something that we can just come in and say, well, I'm saved, so I'm a Christian. No, to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. We need to seek with everything in us. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, all your energy, everything within you. Love him because of what happened on that cross 2,000 years ago to make sure that you had a relationship with him and a and the opportunity to stay out of an eternal death. And we've got to understand that the picture that is drawn here in these scriptures that I've read for you is to understand the difference between just caring about yourself and then being Christ-like and caring about everybody else. And so I want to take you to Luke chapter 15, and starting in verse 11, I want to just really quick read through some of this. We're talking about the the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus continued that there was a man that had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of your estate. So the father divided up his property between them, and not long after that, the younger son got together all the things that he had and set off for a distant country and then squandered away everything that he had. You notice that he he said, Father, give me, give me, give me. I want. Give me what it is that you have. See, that's, that's one of the biggest definitions of Christianity in the world right now. Oh, God, I'm sick. I need a healing. Oh, God, I'm hurting. I need this. Oh, God, I'm poor. I don't have groceries. I need food. And that's it's okay to be praying for that. But it seems that the church has gotten to the point that when we go to church, it's because we have a need from God and we want to lay our needs before him. But we don't ever go to church and decide, hey, I'm coming here for his purpose today. I'm coming just to glory. I don't have any need for anything. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We're coming to church today just to glorify and worship instead of come in and say, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. But here's what he is saying. Not long after the younger son got all together, he set off for a distant country and then squandered away everything that his father has given him. See, if we don't have the right approach in our Christian walk, even though God gives us a healing, we'll squander it away. Even though he gives us financial security, we'll squander it away. Why? Because our mind's not in the right place. We don't stay focused on the God that has given all for us and serve him and try to mimic him and try to live the life that he wants us to live. And then everything that he gave us, the opportunity, even the salvation that you think you have in Christ, where Jesus said, search the scripture for search the scriptures for in them. You think that you have eternal life. He didn't say, you know, that you have it. He said, you think that you have eternal life when you search the scriptures, but he says, they are they that testify of me. So the scriptures is not doing it. If you don't recognize who Jesus Christ is and see what he's done for you, the scriptures don't do anything for you unless you act upon them. And that's what he was saying there. And when we come into the house of God and we come to God, we go into the throne room of God constantly just saying, give me, give me, give me, give me. 
then we still don't have the right mindset. We still don't understand the, the humility we should have in our heart and the opportunity and the things that God has given, the grace, the unmerited favor that was handed to us through Jesus Christ dying on that cross for us and the importance of that death, burial, and resurrection when it comes to us and our eternal life. And right here in the parable of the lost son, when he squandered away all his wealth and everything that he had, that his father had just handed to him, he didn't work for any of it. It was just given to him, just like your salvation's given to you, just like the grace when you mess up and when you screw up, God is not holding those things accountable. When you put yourself under the blood, he, he doesn't penalize you for forgiven sin. <clears throat> but look here in verse 14. After the son had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. Look at this. Uh-oh, I got to go back to daddy again because I'm out and I need, need, need. I need some more stuff. But look at him. He went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. He went and got himself a job. Who set him in his fields to feed pigs. So he longed to fill his stomach with the pies that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Look at that. He was so poor. He was so, he squandered away everything he had. He didn't have any food. He didn't have any shelter. He didn't have anything. And he, he hires himself out. He goes to a farmer that's raising pigs. And while he's feeding slop to pigs, he had a longing to fill his stomach with the slop that he was pouring in the trough for the pigs. <clears throat> and nobody gave him anything. But look at verse 17. Here's what the church needs to do. Sometimes the church needs to turn around and just come to their senses and realize, I'm not living the life that God needs me to be living. We as a church are not representing Christ as we should be representing. And we've had such as horrible misconception that God is just sitting up there on the throne, handing out needs to us and handing out blessings to us. And, and we should just sit around and rejoice because that's what he's doing. And that's our huge misconception of Christianity, even though he does hand out blessings, even though he does just give us the needs and the desires of our hearts from time to time. This is a huge misconception of what Christianity and what the church is really about because in verse 17, it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Look at that. His father gave him half of everything he owns and his father still got hired servants sitting out there that he's saying, my, my dad's servants, my father's servants have got all kinds of stuff that I don't have. And the reason why they've got it is because I've squandered. I left my father. I broke off my relationship with my father. And I'll set out and go back to my father. See how he's repenting? You know, I messed up. I left the father. I, I looked at the father as someone that was just give me, give me, give me. And my father worked and he earned this inheritance for me. And I got, I got that inheritance and I decided I'd just run off and squander something I didn't work for. And I didn't handle it right. I didn't focus right. I didn't take care of it. I didn't discipline myself and I didn't stay in constant contact with my father and let him train me how to handle these things that he gave me. So now I've lost it all and I'm going to go back. And he says in verse 18, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He's saying, father, I've sinned. 
That's what the church needs to do because the church as a whole has sinned against the Father and against the church, against God's uh, number one commandment. Because when we do not love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul and love our neighbor as ourself, that's a sin. We're keeping everything that the Father has to ourself and being greedy about it and not sharing it and not giving it out there. In one verse, he says, freely you have received, freely give. But in this picture right here, this young man went out and squandered it all away and found himself trying to eat out of hog troughs. But now in verse 18, he's come to his senses and realized even the servants of my father have food that I don't have, and I'm going to go back and tell him I've sinned against him and sinned against you. But look in verse 19. Here's the key factor. When we looked up up in the uh, the first verse, or verse 11 here, there's a man had had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share. So in verse 12, he's saying, give me my share. When we get down here in verse 19, someone's been humbled. Someone's had a life lesson in humility and understands how important the father is and what the father's glory and the father's strength and the father's shelter is for. He's saying down here, I am no longer worthy to be called your son make me one of your servants. See, that's the difference between the church. The church is up here saying, Father, give me in verse 12, when we should be down here in verse 19, make me one of your hired servants. <clears throat> when we become one of his hired servants, listen, Jesus told his disciples when he's sitting at his last supper, ready to be crucified, he told his disciples, he said, the greatest uh, leader among you, the greatest of all people will be the servant of all. And that's why Jesus himself girded his loins and got himself a towel and a bowl of water and sat down below his table at his uh, uh, disciples' feet and started washing his disciples' feet. And when they told him, oh, master, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I can't wash your feet, I'll have nothing to do with you. And then all of a sudden the attitude changed. Oh, not only my feet, wash my head and my hands. And, and Jesus said, your feet will do just fine. What he's trying to say is we've got to get the servant's heart in order to be successful in our Christian life, in order to satisfy God the Father. We've got to have the, the Father's heart, the servant's heart, and that is to get out and share with other people, be the servant of the kingdom, and most of all, be the ambassador. In, in another place, I want to rearrange this just a little bit. In another place, he told us that we were kings and priests in his kingdom, that he was the king of kings, but we were kings and priests in his kingdom. So we represent him as authority. We have a high authority of not just being servants, but we're ambassadors. I'm going to take you back to that 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, and I'm going to read that out of the Amplified Bible one more time because it says we are ambassadors. We are representation. We are representatives. We are someone sent on a mission by God himself to make his appeal, to make his name, his mission known to other people through us, through our actions, through the word that we share. And then we are to plead with other people on his behalf and tell them be reconciled with God. Come to God. Receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't die and go to hell. 
Christ has given you the answer. The church's misconception of Christianity is that part in, in uh, Luke 15, Father, give me. God, I have this need. God, I have this need. And, and don't make, don't, please don't get me wrong because we have that, we have that blessing from the Father that when we have needs, when we have sicknesses, when we have things that we have need of, he has told us to boldly go to the Father and ask of him. But that's only one portion of being a Christian. The other and one of the most important things we're supposed to be doing if we are Christian, if we are Christ-like, is to be that ambassador, go to other people, love our neighbor just like we love ourselves. So if, if we have shoes on our feet and our neighbor don't, we should love that neighbor enough to give that neighbor a pair of shoes if we can find some to fit him or help him find some. If that neighbor don't have a job, let's try to help him find a job. If that neighbor don't have a loaf of bread, let's try to help him get a loaf of bread. But if that neighbor don't have Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, by all means, don't give up on that neighbor. Go to that neighbor. Pray for that neighbor. Speak with that neighbor. Plead with that neighbor. Build a relationship with that neighbor and make sure that that neighbor receives Jesus Christ or at least has the opportunity that you put in front of them so that you don't have their blood on your hands because of refusing to go do what God has told us to do, and that's be ambassadors and represent him and show his love to our neighbor as a commandment that he told us was just important as loving God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul. That's the misconception that the church needs to get right. And the church needs to repent and change from the way they've been functioning and operating and get the church outside the four walls and be out in the streets, reaching in the highways and the heavens, calling on everyone, beckoning them to come into the kingdom of God. Come while the harvest is still ripe. Come while there's still time before Jesus Christ comes back and you're going to miss Jesus coming back and you're going to have to face tribulation. You're going to have to face judgment without the blood of Christ on you. And God forbid that anybody goes to hell and misses out on the kingdom of God because of not getting to hear the word of God. That would be horrible. It's a different thing when you hear the word of God and you refuse it than it is to not hear it at all. It is our job, the Christian church, to share that word and to share that gospel. And it's no more the pastor's job than it is yours. And the pastor's job is to share it with you. It's your job just as important to share it with your community. God bless you. I hope this word sinks into you. I pray that the word of God manifests itself in you today and, and finds you being beckoned by the Holy Spirit to get out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone else today. God bless you, and we'll see you on the next one.